I just was so blessed by the music. Thank you so much, Brother Matt and the music team, choir. You, you, you blessed my heart. Um, I never cry. I'm just kidding. I cry all the time. I'm the biggest crybaby. And uh, just, just right from the start, choir, you blessed my heart. You ministered to me. Um, and, and I hope I, that you know that uh, as, as a church, as believers, we don't, we don't have music just to fill time, right? We're commanded to come before his presence with thanksgiving. And that's a chance for all of us to minister to God and be a blessing to God. And thank you, you've ministered, and you certainly were a blessing. And, and I appreciate all that's been, uh, been said and done already. But, but God brings us through stuff, right? And, and it's hard in the season, in the event, to be thankful for it and to think of them as gifts. But they are gifts. They're a gift to each other. And, and we need each other. We need the church. And, and, and I certainly appreciate this, uh, this, uh, this opportunity. Thank you, Pastor Jake, for caring about the subject of depression and anxiety and mental health. And, and I think it's a subject that um, really, at best, has been kind of ignored by, by those in, in, uh, in Christianity, and especially in our, our Baptist circles, right? But, uh, but also it has been mimicked, right? And there's been a stigma. I was, a, I was a youth pastor. I was a full-time youth pastor for 18 years in a vibrant ministry. And I, I, I've been in full-time ministry going on 25 years. And, and uh, a tragedy struck while I was a youth pastor during a missions trip. And one of our young men drowned. It, was, it happened on my watch. And I just couldn't stop getting, being sad about it. I couldn't get over it. And I, I thought that I, I should be able to get over it. I thought as a preacher I should be stronger than that. And I, and I didn't need anybody else but God. And if I had Jesus, that's all I needed. And I understand those are words that we say and they sound spiritual. But you know, the Bible says so much more about our pain and our hurt than we need God and give it to God. And I like to just show you a few things there. I left the ministry after a four-year battle with, with, with depression and panic attacks. I left the ministry thinking I was broken beyond repair. I, I wondered if I would sing or preach again, but, but here I am, I'm preaching again. I'm here to tell you that, that there is healing in Jesus Christ. There is healing available to every person. And, and the Bible does speak to our pain. We just have to know what we're looking for. I'm here to testify that there is healing available to each and every one of us. And God wants to use us, scars and all. Scars and all. And so there's the truth. I have scars that can't be seen. While the darkest clouds of depression have lifted, I, I still have to manage an anxiety issue, which I'll, I'll talk about a little bit. I'm not the guy who had this grand epiphany and, and, and willed the depression away. I'm, I'm not the guy. I'm not, you may hear some testimonies of someone who worshipped their panic attacks away or, or, or quoted a verse or, or took hold of a song or a principle of scripture and the depression disappeared. That, that's not my story. That's not me. My story is a whole lot more messy than that. It was a process, a humbling journey that included a lot of help from a lot of people. And you know what? That's okay. Even if you're a preacher, it's okay if you need help. And I'm here to proclaim that. Thank you for caring. It's okay if you're not okay. But you don't have to stay there. And it's okay if you need help. It's okay if you can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I couldn't do it. It's okay if you can't encourage yourself in the Lord. I couldn't do it myself. I needed a lot of help. And so there's a reason, though. You, you, if you want to do a fascinating study of Scripture, you just plug into, into your Bible program one another or one to another, and you'll see this picture, this beautiful picture open up of what the local church should look like, and that's what it is. We need one another. You know, if you were, I told you, I told your pastor 
Um, God opened this, this up for me. The drowning occurred in 20, 2014. I struggled in silence for, for about four years, and I resigned in 2018. And, and, uh, and God brought me through a process of healing and, and, uh, and, and just, just a journey. And, and when God started to open up after I'd left the ministry, and, and uh, of course, wanting to be back in ministering, I didn't, in ministry, I didn't disqualify myself, myself or anything. I just thought I, I was broken in the bad way, right? And then as God started to, uh, to, to form this vision in my mind of how he wanted to use my pain, that's the thing, God wants to use your pain, right? That's about when the pandemic hit. And I'll say this, if you're going to start a mental health ministry, start it during a pandemic, all right? Because, you know, we did everything wrong, right? We didn't know what was going on. I mean, we shut down, we isolated all those things, and, and we were trying to do church remotely, and, and that's not the design, that's not God's design. God's design is this, God's design is the small groups, and God's design is for us to be in community and to be a church family, and, and the last thing you want to do is be isolated, and, and as people began to struggle and things started to come to the forefront, the issue of depression and anxiety just exploded in Christian circles, and we couldn't ignore it anymore, right? And what, I, what I'd love to see happen, especially in Baptist churches, is that we just break the stigma and just admit that we're all human. And, and believers can get depressed. Believers can have anxiety. And we looked at yesterday, sometimes that's worry-based. You, you deal with it in, in, in that way, right? But sometimes it's trauma-based. It's a whole different animal, right? And we need to be curious rather than judgmental and, and not think we have all the answers right away. Yes, seek the scriptures, but there's some, just some practical things that we can do to help ourselves, Right? And I'd like to just take a look at, at a, just an insider's look at depression. So I'm going to share my story, but not just my story. I'm going to share the story of a, of a man by the name of Asaph in the Bible. You understand? You, you, you look at the Bible, and there's, there's some people in Scripture that really, really struggled. They showed their humanity. All right, let's, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we need you. We pray that you do a work in our hearts. Lord, guide, uh, guide each word that's said. Lord, we love you. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. There in Psalm chapter 42, we looked at it last night. The Bible says there, there's a question being asked. The psalmist is asking himself. He says, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Why art thou cast down? That word cast down, really interesting word. It literally means to sink or depress. And so as we look at that, that verse there, it's what therapists would consider self-talk, right? And it's important to examine the self-talk. And that's something that you need to do yourself. If, you, if you're struggling with your emotions, you're struggling mentally, you just have to be honest and, and maybe keep a journal of what you're saying to yourself every day, right? Because a lot of times we're just beating ourselves up um, and, and we don't need to do it. Just realize, what are we saying to ourselves? And he's asking, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And that's the big question. Why do I find myself sunken? Why do I find myself depressed? One thing to understand about the brain, we talked a little bit about the brain uh, last night, is that uh, our brains have this natural negative bias. Even the pastor, uh, Pastor Jake, mentioned that as well. Our brains have this natural negative bias. We're, we're more reactive to negative things than positive things, right? We like to, we're, we're quick to, we want to know about the juicy gossip, right? Not necessarily the good news, right? We like good news, but man, if there's something juicy, our brains are just kind of attracted. 
We can see this happen in, in brain scans where our brains are just much more reactive to negative things than positive things. Let me explain it this way. Let's say you're walking, walking around the church and, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden I mean, you, find, uh, you find a $20 bill. Right, man, your, your, your emotional part of your brain will light up, right? You'll feel good, just those feel-good neurotransmitter research theory, and you'll be happy about that $5, the $20 you found. Let's say you lost $20. Oh, man, that would be so frustrating. But it, it, it would hurt you more. It would be more frustrating that you lost $20 than it would feel good that you found the $20, right? I mean, see, our, our brains are just much more reactive. It holds on to negative stuff more than it holds on to positive stuff. Uh, let me put it another way. Let's just say... Um, uh, uh, you know, we, I, we've, we've raised uh, four children. Uh, my wife, Brenna, and I, will, will, uh, we're uh, approaching our 27th year of marriage. We have four children, 25, 24, 22, and 20 years old. We love them. Now we love them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, you know what I'm saying, just keeping it real from the pulpit, amen. We've had our seasons, right? Uh, um, there were times that I searched for scriptures for, uh, uh, to, you know, to be able to, you know, body slam children, you know, teenage boys. I couldn't find it, so I didn't. I denied my flesh, right? But, uh, but God, God, has, God has, has used our children, and, and, and it's a blessing. And uh, but but you you, uh, you moms you could imagine uh, let, let's just say on a on a on a Sunday morning you you uh, you put out the, the the breakfast spread for your children you know and and they come to the table and they've already done their devotions right and they say thank you mother for for my Cheerios and my my frosted flakes and they they had that and your fresh fresh squeezed orange juice and they go off to their their rooms and they get themselves ready for a um uh, for for church and you're able to get yourself ready completely at at home right get the makeup up done and everything and and you get into the car and and you drive and you guys are singing songs all the way to church right and you come in and and so you're you're fresh and everything makeup's already done hair's be everything's perfect and you walk in and someone says wow you look beautiful today and you'd, you'd feel good right that'd be a blessing to hear someone say you look beautiful today right but let's say the morning didn't go like that right <laughs> right the kids come to the table and the same cereal they loved yesterday now they hate this morning Right, right? And, uh, you know, you didn't fresh squeeze the orange juice, but the orange juice concentrate was too frozen. You're trying to smack it into the thing, and you can't get it, you know, defrosted and all that. Children are fighting. You tell them they need to do their devotions, but they're fighting all morning. You couldn't get your makeup done. You get into the car, so you're getting the makeup done in the car, but your, your husband thinks it's a NASCAR, and you're going to the end, so your makeup's going all that. Did you get it? And so, you're, man, you're sweaty on the way to church, right? You get into the so – I, I know that my wife has told you. <laughs> I, I, you know, and so you get in, and then so you, you come in, and – and somebody says to you, wow, boy, you look tired today. <laughs> Don't tell people they look tired. We know what that means, right? That we know what that you look tired means. It means that you had a bad morning, right? And so as good as it would feel for someone to say, wow, you look beautiful today, it would hurt more, actually, for someone to say you look tired today. It hurts more to be insulted than it feels good to be complimented. Why? Because our brains have this natural negative bias to it. And it's probably because of the fall. We're more reactive. We hold on to negative stuff. Negative stuff has more sticking power than positive stuff has. So this is what happens. This is why our mental health tends to suffer. So for me, I had a big event. 
big traumatic event. I'll tell you a little bit about it here in a little bit. But oftentimes people will come to me and say, man, Pastor Jay, I don't know what's going on. I didn't have something happen like you did. I just, I just feel I'm just down. I'm just negative. I can't sleep. And, and nothing bad happened. But a lot of times it's not necessarily something, one big event that knocks you down. A lot of times it's just like death by a million little different microscopic cuts. You don't even realize it's happening, but you find yourself cast down, sunken, depressed, right? So let's just say where, where, my, where my hands are as a baseline for, for, a healthy, uh, for, for healthy emotions, a healthy, healthy mentality, right? And then let's say you're, you're, going, uh, uh, you're going through your week and, uh, um, uh, and, and Monday morning you've, uh, uh, you, you hit traffic on the way and you're late for work and you get cast down a little bit, right? And... Uh, but then uh, Monday night football's on, and your team won, right? You get popped up a little bit. I'm a big football fan. And then Tuesday, somebody at work uh, uh, criticizes a job that you're doing. You get, get cast down a little bit. Uh, but, then, uh, but then you're back here, uh, you know, Wednesday night or whenever it is you have a church, and you get, you get popped up a little bit. And then, and then something else bad happens or whatever, and then you get popped up a little bit. So hold on a second. What we just went through is you had, a, uh, you had an equal amount of positive to negative events. They're equal. We talked about three positive and three negative but you found yourself cast down still. Why? Because of that negative bias in the brain. Because our brains are much more reactive to the negative stuff. It hits us harder. It sticks stickier. That's just how our brains work. So this is what we need in order just to stay emotionally healthy. All right? So we're right here. Had a good day in church. Everything's great. You're late for work, right? Uh, but then, but then on, on the way to work, you listen to a good podcast, right? Popped you up a little bit. You got a text from somebody at church, and it popped you up a little bit. And, and then uh, you just had a win at work, and it popped you up a little bit. And then, um, hey, you're, you're, you're driving uh, back, back home, and and somebody, somebody cuts you off, right? And it just made you mad, right? And pops you down a little bit. But then, but then you had devotions. And then, then you came back Wednesday night. And then, and then, and then, and then something else happened. Do you, do you see what happens? And so I, I'm just kind of arbitrarily coming up with this number. But we do know that this is what we need. In order just to maintain, in order just to stay healthy, we need more positives than negatives happening in our life. We need more wins than losses, and so if we come at it with this mentality, then we can all minister to one another. Once again, plug it into your Bible program. Look it up. See our responsibility one to another as a church family. And know, hey, we're all going through stuff. And it's not, not all the big traumatic events, but if all of us are getting these little microscopic nicks, and they wear on each and every one of us, and every single one of us needs more wins than losses. We need more positives than negatives. We need more encouragement than criticism. And everyone in here can be committed to trying to keep someone else healthy. Everyone can do that. I mean, it's so easy now. If you're like my wife, ladies, you're like my wife, you don't like talking on the phone, right? You can text right? You try to call my wife, you know, we you know which button to press, right? You text her, no problem, but call her, she doesn't want to talk to you, <laughs> right, right then, right? Have coffee with her, all that, but each and every one of us, we can text. You can write notes. Yeah, when's the last time you got a handwritten note? They're a blessing. Handwritten notes are a blessing. How about when we're going through church and we don't use, we, 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 we say, you know, we're, we're not going to use the word, the words, how are you, as just a greeting anymore, We'll actually sit down with somebody, and the words, how are you, mean something, right? And then we endeavor, we endeavor, because we know, why are we cast down? Sometimes it's big stuff, but most of the time it's just a whole bunch of little stuff, and I need to give my brother some wins. I need to give my sister some wins. 
I can do that. I can do that. Every one of us can do that. Why are you cast down? Would you go now to Psalm 77? Psalm 77 is, is a story we don't know a lot about, but we know something happened. We don't know a lot about the, the man Asaph. We do know he was a leader in Israel of some sort. It does seem, uh, as, as you study this out, that Asaph had some type of music ministry, which, which, which resonated with me. There's a few things that we need to be careful um, with when we are trying to minister to those who are hurting, uh, those who are struggling with depression in particular. Um, there are just some Christianese, some, uh, some cliches that we go through, some things that we assume that, uh, that, that help people, but they're not, they're not biblical, actually. And there's one thing, and, and here's, I'm a music guy. I'm, I'm the choir director. Uh, and music is a big part of my life and ministry. Um, but but you know, you'll hear all the time, and if you're depressed, you know, just make sure, just have godly music going and just run to music. And, and you know, th- th- biblically, there's a principle in there. Sometimes if you try to sing songs to someone who has a heavy heart, you know, the Bible says that's like taking away a coat in cold weather to somebody that's not comforting at all. It could, it could really aggravate people's emotions. Just realize what is the Bible actually talking about. Now, music for me is really powerful, especially when, I have, when I'm having anxiety in particular, because music is very orderly, right? Right, choir? It's orderly. You know, there, there's a time signature. Some, some of the songs we sang were 4-4. Were four, four. Some of them were 3-4. All right, some of them had that 6-8 lilt, and there's, there's, a, there's an order to it. And, and music, when it has a very pronounced beat, if you're having anxiety, uh, anxiety is a disquietness. It's, it's a commotion. There's a lack of control inside. And, and then a mu- music, with, especially with a pronounced beat, that's why, uh, honestly, the, the cajon can be used and, and, and percussive instruments can be used in a powerful way um, to, to, to ease someone's anxieties and, and you can run to music when you have anxiety and, and then really let that music calm your anxieties. It's just some basic physiology that we know about the body now. We just have to be careful with how we use the scriptures. Scriptures, obviously the answers are there. Just, I think sometimes, well, I know, sometimes we misuse them. And so uh, that's one of those things is go to music. Music was hurting me, and it was, a part of my, uh, it was just a part of my being. And, and for some reason, for whatever reason, it was just something that was, that was very painful for me for a season in my life. And, and another thing that I was told is, you know, read the book of Psalms. And I know everybody's different. One thing you know about the Psalms, the Psalms are really emotional, right? They're intensely emotional at times. They're very personal. And maybe so, you know, for me in my depression, because that, you know, when, when you're depressed, I mean, the, the emotional regulation isn't there. And, uh, and, and I still, you know, for me, I, I struggle with that some. And, and so for me, I had to take a break from reading the Psalms. And now I recommend for people who are struggling with depression or just some deep pain is to read the Gospels and just get to know Jesus Christ on a more intimate level, Right? I can read the Psalms now, but for a season of my life, it was just, it stirred up a lot of emotion for me. And just some things to possibly consider. Except for when I got to Psalm 77. I'm reading through Psalm 77. I didn't know anything about Asaph. But it resonated with me. This is what I'm going through. Well, what happened to Asaph? We couldn't figure out what happened. But something happened to Asaph. And you'll see here, he struggles with depression. Look at Psalm 77, verse number 2. The Bible says there, In the day of my trouble... I sought the Lord. Asaph had something happen. It, more than likely, it wasn't just those series of small events or microscopic cuts. Something happened. There was some trauma-induced depression. So we talked about trauma-induced anxiety. And for me, I had 
a day of trouble. July 26, 2014, we were finishing up a missions trip in, in Washington State. We were helping a, um, a church planter up there. And it was in my 18th year of youth ministry. I was already transitioning out. I wasn't burnt out. I never stopped loving working with teens. I just felt it was time for me to move on. And there was, uh, there was, there was a young couple that was, that was coming up and growing that, that could take, uh, take over. And we're doing our last missions trip. We took 15, 16 different missions trips with young people. Um, we, we've, uh, we've taken them to Fiji and, 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 and India and Alaska and, and Indian reservations and Utah. We've had wonderful times. And, and, and we were in Washington State. And we just finished up a vacation Bible school. It was amazing. It was exciting. Young people got saved. And we had our last visits on that Saturday and decided just to have some fun, right? And we went, the church planner took us to this beach in Ocean Shores and, and we had a bonfire and we're eating up the last of the candy that we didn't get um, that we didn't give out that week, and, and, and as, as we drove up to this beach and parked right there uh, on the sand, the young people got out, they're excited, and, and uh, they asked if they could go, go in the water, and I said, sure, just jump in the water. So for one young man, a young man by the name of Paul, one of the best Christians I've ever known in my life, adult or teen, otherwise, is just so in love with Jesus, so in love with Jesus, he wanted to be a missionary to North Korea. That's how crazy he was about Jesus Christ, right? But as, as, um, as was per normal for Paul, he wouldn't go out into the water just yet because uh, we had to dig our own pit and we brought some wood and he helped me get the, the fire going for a bonfire. And once the fire was going, he said, uh, he said Jay, are we good? He said, yeah, hey, we're good. And he goes running off to the ocean and the water to go just, just hang out with his friends. And I look out and, and I see the young people are out there and they're a little bit deeper than I expected them to be, a little bit further out. And so as a youth pastor, of course, I had to go figure out what was going on, make sure everybody's safe. So I walk right out to the, the surf line there, the shoreline, and I just take a look. And even though they're a little bit further out than I expected to see them, they weren't very deep because it was a really gently sloping beach. They weren't deep at all. They were maybe about knee, knee level and some swells would come up to the waist. And, and so I, I considered how deep they were. They weren't deep. And I, then I considered the power of the waves. And, and there, was gen, there was multiple breaks in the waves, but, but, but nothing powerful. And, and nobody was getting jostled around. And I looked for rock outcroppings or anything that could be unsafe. And, and everything was good. Everything was good, and I just stood there, knowing this is my last mission trip with young people, and, and I just thanked the Lord for almost two decades of youth ministry, and that I could do this, and I could show kids a good time. And, and um, there were a couple guys that stayed at the fire, and they said, I probably stood there for about a good 10, 12, 15 minutes, and I just thanked the Lord, just watching the kids, making sure everything, and everything was good. Everything I could consider was good, but for whatever reason, I, I just didn't come to mind a possible rip current. It just didn't come to mind. Didn't come to mind. I walked back to the fire, and, and of course, I put myself on the side of the fire, and uh, in which I, I could keep an eye on my kids. And smoke is coming at me, but I got to keep an eye on my kids. One of the one of the young young ladies came out of the water, and she was soaked, and she wanted to change. The van was right there, and I wanted to give her a, a more uh, discreet place to change. So I got in the van, and I, and I tried to jostle it out, and it was on the on the sand, so it got stuck a little bit. So I didn't want it to get stuck. And I needed to give her a, a discreet place to change. And so I had to uh, run around the, the, the sand a little bit and, and find a spot. Didn't seem stable. Find another spot. Well, it wasn't discreet enough. Finally found another spot where it was stable and discreet enough. And so I shut off the engine. And as soon as I opened the door, I heard the first rush of emergency vehicles screaming towards the shore. And I knew my kids were in trouble. And go running off to the shore. One of the young men comes running and says, Angel's still out there. Angel's one of our, our senior boys. And Another young man that just loves the Lord. I finally get out to where there's ambulances there and already first responders and there's strangers from all the beach and they're, they're, everybody's trying to help. And, and I see Angel, he's hunched over, he's throwing up seawater. So praise the Lord, Angel's here. 
So, of course, I started to count. I needed to get to 12, right? But before I could finish counting, somebody said, Paul's still out there. I fell to my knees, and I don't remember this part. The kids told me I fell to my knees. I do remember crying out to God. He says, God, you've got to push him in. God, you've got to push him in, please. Pushed him in. We started to walk the shore, and, and I'm, I'm purposely trying to get in front of the paramedics and police officers, and I, I was just asking God, God, would you please help let me make this right? I wanted to be the first one. I, I knew at this point God would have to push him in, and I, I wanted to be the first one to give him his first breath. I, I knew at that point he would have to be resuscitated. I, I knew at that point, and I don't remember how long we searched and prayed. Search helicopters came by, and plane, a Coast Guard, big old Coast Guard ship came by as well. At a certain point, I knew that Paul was in heaven, and his, his body never came back to shore. It happened on my watch. I just couldn't stop being sad about it. I couldn't stop getting being sad. Now, I'm almost 40. I've been in ministry a long time. I've counseled a lot of people. I couldn't stop being sad. And all the regular things, the normal things that you go to, music, worship, scripture memory, all those things, nothing helped. And this, this thing snowballed into this monster I never imagined would hit me. And that word depression was so dirty. I felt like I was hiding this dirty secret, thinking I should have been stronger. I should have weathered this. What sin have I committed? All the questions, all, all the what-ifs, all of it. And so I see here in Psalm 77, that was my day of trouble. Let me, get, just get, let me give you a look at depression. It's ugly. It's ugly, but we need to look at it. If we're going to help other people, we need to look at it. If you're going to heal, you need to look at it. We have to be honest with ourselves. So verse 2 says this, In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. You seek God. Seek God. First thing, go to God about it. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. Let me just give you a few uh, points here that we see about depression. First of all, number one is I, I have the word stuck, all right? It's stuck. It means stuck in your grief. Uh, normally, uh, discouragement and depression are two different animals, right? In discouragement, I, you, you can pull yourself out of that thing, right? You can go to music, and, 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 and it, it, it could lift you up a little bit. Depression's a whole different thing. It says, my soul refused to be comforted. There's something deep inside that's not working properly. And whether it be the chronic stress of your life, right, that changes the default setting of our brains from rational to reactive, from logical to emotional, and that's just a fact of how our brains work, from relational to survival, based upon trauma or abuse or anything like that. I mean, it's deeper than just, man, you're not trusting God. There's, there's different factors involved here that puts us in a state of being stuck. My soul, my innermost man, refused to be comforted, trying everything that you know to do, right? But the Bible says more about our pain than just going to God in prayer. Yes, go to God in prayer. Seek God. Read your Bible every day. Try to memorize scripture if you can. Keep winning souls if you have opportunity. Do all those things. But the Bible says more about getting unstuck from our grief than just those things, right? But there's the fact of the matter about depression. There's this sensation of being stuck, and it's scary because we've all been discouraged before. We can listen to a sermon, and we'll be all right. But then in depression, as I can listen to the sermon, I still, I still can't stop being sad. I can't stop crying. And then every once in a while, I'll just explode in crying. And I just, 
the stress of our life, there's this sensation of being stuck. You know, what we meditate on can create a false reality. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You have to be careful what you meditate on. That's why we stressed so much last night. Examine your self-talk. What are you saying to yourself? So, of course, in my mind, I was saying to myself, man, I failed, I failed, I failed, I failed, I failed. But then it took this really dark turn, and I failed, it became, I am a failure. Now, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. And then so, and I'm not decompressing with, I'm not talking to anybody, because I'm embarrassed, I'm not even talking to my wife. I just feel like, man, this is, this is on me, I just need to pull myself up by my bootstraps. And, and had I talked to somebody who understood the thing, maybe they could help me um, navigate my thoughts and remind me that I'm not a failure, and, and, but, but that's what was in my brain, I am a failure. And then it created this false reality in my mind, and despite all the facts of my life and my circumstances, it created this thing in my mind. My mind believed that I am a failure. And that's where it turns to, well, why does someone like me shouldn't even live? Shouldn't exist. I mean, is this why? Yeah, God, I mean, I've had these it's hard talks with God. Why let someone like me exist if I'm just going to destroy a family and destroy young people and, and bring a church so much pain? Why do that to me? To be careful with our thoughts or this sensation of being stuck. And look at verse number three. I remember God and was troubled. Spiritual anguish. Now be careful here, all right? Be careful with people who are hurting. So remember, this is the psalmist. He says, I remembered God and, and I was troubled. And so how can you say that? A lot of times in depression because our brains are, are switched, our default mode from rational to reactive. Some things can just, spiritual, uh, spiritual principles can just give us trouble. It doesn't mean that they're bad people. They didn't lose their salvation, obviously, but sometimes, you know, not all Bible verses should be thrown at the hurting person. For example, someone's lost their job of 20 years, right? We know the Bible says that this calls this light affliction. We know that's true, but that's probably the wrong time to throw that verse at someone who's just lost their job of 20 years, right? It doesn't feel light at the time, right? Just lost their job. But of course, we want to be biblical, right? Instead of throwing that verse, how about we be biblical? Someone's lost their job of 20 years. How about you buy them groceries? That's biblical. Don't just say, oh, be warmed and filled. No, so how about meet a need? That's biblical. Let's use the Bible properly, spiritual anguish. Let's be, be careful with that. Verse number four, thou holdest mine eyes waking. Sleep issues. Just sleep issues. This is a very difficult thing. One of the first questions, and I talked about this yesterday, my therapist, who, was a, who actually was, a, uh, was, was a, a Baptist pastor of 37 years, one of the first questions he asked me is, how are you sleeping? Terrible doc. And then sleep just makes things, if you're lacking sleep, it just makes things worse. It's just this cyclical thing, right? So depression causes, causes sleep issues, and sleep issues will exacerbate your depression, make you more emotional, right? There's sleep issues. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. Silence. Silence. So we see being stuck, spiritual anguish, sleep issues, silence. Um, I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. And here's the danger of this. It, talking is so powerful, and those that are hurting need to talk. But, but sometimes we're, we're just embarrassed. I just got so sick of crying. You know, if I try to talk about it, I would cry. I'm just so sick of it. I'm so sick of it. But we need to cry. Men, you need to talk. Let me, let me just point out this verse. I, I hope we have that on the, uh, I, I think I sent that over. It's Psalm 32.3. Psalm 32.3. Look at this. This is powerful. When I kept silence, catch this. When I kept silence, my, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. So hold on a second. When I kept silence, 
and there's roaring all the day long. What, what are we doing here? Are we keeping silence or are we roaring? No, here's the thing. When you're keeping silence, when you're keeping the emotions in, you are roaring on the inside. You're, you're screaming on the inside, and it's unhealthy. That's what my bones waxed old. It ages you. It's unhealthy. You need to talk. You need to talk to someone. Men, you need to talk. Men, you don't like to talk. We don't like to talk unless it's about guns or, <laughs> you know, football. But you need to talk. You need to talk about my feelings. Yes, you need to talk about your feelings. Your bones will wax old. It's unhealthy. It's literally unhealthy. You need to talk. There's power in talking. And a lot of times, you know, if you talk to someone who's spiritually mature, they help guide your thoughts. Somebody could have reminded me, no, Jay, you're not a failure. You're not a failure. All right? You just need to hear that. But a lot of times, you know, when, when, we, when we think, as long as thoughts are in here, they all sound legitimate, right? But a lot of, a lot of times we just say something and then we could hear it. And it's like, oh, that doesn't make sense, right? Just by saying, just by talking, there's silence, right? And then we see silly thoughts. Just real quick, look at, look at verse number 7. So silly thoughts are, will the Lord cast off forever? Now remember, this is Asaph. He's a leader in Israel. This isn't just some, some chump on the street who just got saved or what have you. This is a, a leader in Israel. And look at the questions he's asking. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Does his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Wait a minute. These are questions we know about God. But here's a man who is struggling. And look at the questions, very honest questions he's asking. You read the book of Job. It's a difficult read. The, the, Job is a man that God himself said he was perfect and upright and eschewed evil. And you look at the questions that he asked God. Remember, our brains, when we're hurt, when we go through trauma, it switches from rational to reactive. And a lot of times, the hurting will ask really hard questions. And so just give them some space. Let them ask the questions. Really, for the most part, they know the answers. They just need to ask some questions. They're silly thoughts. And lastly, very quick, and this is just the tip of the iceberg, and i got to get done here. Here's the solution. So I want to show you a couple things. Verse number 10, he said, this is my infirmity. The word infirmity literally means an illness. So it starts with acknowledgement. Acknowledge the infirmity. As we said last night, acknowledging the infirmity is the first step towards embracing it. Acknowledge it. There's an issue. If you have an anger, anger problem, you'll not get victory over your anger until you first acknowledge it. If you have a problem with depression, anxiety, panic attacks, you'll not, get, you'll not get healing. You'll not manage it until you first acknowledge the issue. Look at verse number 12. Verse number, verse number 11. I will remember the works of the Lord. Sure, surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy works. Number two, intentionally meditate on good memories. Intentionally meditate on good memories, right? My brain was stuck on July 26, 2014. And of course, I got to deal with that pain. I have to properly grieve that pain, right? I do. But if, if, I, if that dominated, and it did dominate me, of course, it took me a dark place. Because I had a whole lot of other memories with Paul. Showing Paul how to lead someone to Christ, right? So I will remember the works of the Lord. I remember how God used Paul in, in a great, great way, right? And so especially in those dark times, we have to intentionally remember what God has done. Be very intentional. And then lastly, look at verse number 13. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Hmm. Lean heavily on your church family. Lean heavily on your church family. We need one another. You are not designed to navigate life by yourself. We're not designed that way. 
when you look at God's creation, there are some animals he created that, are, that live in isolation and they're fine. But there are a lot of animals, they live in packs. They live in herds. And that's what we are. You're not meant to be in a cave all by yourself. Remember Elijah was in a cave and God came and said, what are you doing in this cave? You're not designed to live in this cave. You were designed to live here. To lean on your church family. To talk. To bear one another's burdens. If you're hurting today, you will get better. It doesn't feel like it. But I promise you, you will get better. This is the tip of the iceberg. We can talk about exercise. We can talk about getting sunshine. We can talk about the power of gratitude and laughter. And we talk about those things. There's many, many tools. But if you're hurting today, the last thing you want to do is isolate from your church family. We need one another. One another. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your goodness, God. Thank you for your word and what we see in it, God. I pray if there's any hurting today, that they'd find some comfort today in the scriptures. Lord, I ask, Lord, if there's any in our midst that are not saved, I pray that you'd prick their heart and grab their heart that they would know that there's something bigger than themselves. You're a God that loves them, wants to do something special with their lives, Lord. We give you all the praise and glory for what's been accomplished in Jesus' name.